How many of you have ever uh, had a chance to see the queen or some royalty or someone really important in your life other than people in this church? Yeah? Who have you seen before? Just yell it out. The queen. Queen Elizabeth. Okay. Who? Prince Charles. Okay. The Pope. Okay. Uh, anyone else? Anything? The king. The king from Nigeria? Yeah. Awesome. Now, were you, were you able to walk up to the king? Yeah. Were you? Yeah. Um, and nobody attacked you? I went into his palace and uh, I even had the opportunity to move closer to him. Wow. Yeah. Nobody, no security attacked you or anything? Good. But before you go in, yeah. you have to be. Right. So there's some protocol there, right? They, they make sure you're safe and nothing on you. And How about the queen? How, how close did you get to the queen? Really? That close? Did you give her like a fist pump or something? Or? No. Yeah. So now was there security around her at all? Yeah, quite a bit. Now to think of, to think of going to God. Think of going to God. Think that the fact that we are told that we can come in before God's presence, that we can pray to him. We don't really think about what that really means because we, we're just used to it maybe, I, I guess. But when you think about what, what it means to go, like if I wanted to go see a king or a queen, if I just walked into the palace, I'd probably get stopped well before I got there. There's no way I'd get in there. Now, if I even had the chance to talk to a, maybe a, a, a king from Nigeria or one of these queen, Queen Elizabeth, um, I'm sure there'd be some protocol. I'd have to go in there in a certain way, very humble way. I couldn't just walk in, hey, Queen Elizabeth, I need something I gotta ask you. I can't just do it anytime I want. I can't just do it today, tomorrow, or the day after. It would take probably weeks of, of you know, an invitation and so on. And think of what we can do with God. Think how we can, right now, walk into his very presence. This is the creator of the universe. God holds nothing back. He doesn't, he doesn't say, there's only certain times you can come talk to me. And when you do, you need to, to come really low. And maybe I'll listen to you. That's not God. But those are our kings and queens. We're used to that. This morning, I want to challenge us to think about prayer in a little different way than the way Jesus taught us to pray. And it might shock you a bit this morning how God wants us to really approach him. Look, look at these prayers from the Old Testament, from the Psalms. And I just want to read them in a way that, we, again, we kind of read these very quickly and, and we forget what they're saying. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. I mean, if you went into, the, into again, Queen Elizabeth's presence and said, do not hide your face from me, Queen Elizabeth, when I'm in distress. Don't turn your ear to me or turn your ear to me. Answer me quickly. I mean, you couldn't do that. That wouldn't be very good. Or listen, listen to my prayer, oh God. Do not ignore my plea. Right? I couldn't do that to a king or a queen here. Don't you ignore me. <laughs> Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you. <laughs> what? God, answer me when I call to you. Now, I, I know they're being respectful. I know they're being reverent. But still, answer me, God, when I call to you. It's not like, oh, God, please, you know, maybe if you think about it, please. God, answer me. I need your answer. They come in a, in a different kind of way. Oh, oh my righteous God, give me, 
Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. They were very bold. I think we forget. And I'm going to talk to you as a parent. As a dad with two young daughters. I love it. I will tell you, I love when my daughters come to me and say, Dad, we got this thing going. I really need help. Can you help me get this math done? Can you help me with, I need a little bit of money for this. Dad, I need your help now. And I think, yeah, now I can help them. I jump into action. And I want to help them because I love them. And if they came up and said, you know, you know Dad, um, I'm not sure if you really have time for me. And that'd be horrible, wouldn't it? I love when my kids come and just pour out their hearts and say, Dad, this is what I need. I know you love me. Will you do something for me? So Jesus tells this story, and again, this is, this is not Old Testament only. This is, this is Jesus talking now. So this, You may have heard this story, but let me just go over it with you. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this little story. And I love the humor of the story, because, I mean, we don't see Jesus being humorous, but this is a humorous story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed, all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. An interesting little story. Teach us how to pray, Lord. So here we have an example. A friend comes to you at midnight. I hate those kind of knocks on the door. Or the phone calls, right? Midnight. And you think first something's wrong. Someone's maybe really sick or passed away. That's my first thought when I get a call that late. But here's a guy. He comes at midnight for three loaves of bread. Three pieces of bread for a friend who's come for a visit. Not a big deal, right? Let's look at some of the things going on here. So a guy, let's, let's, just, let's say I'm the guy who goes over to Art's place, okay? I'm coming to your place. I'm going to be yelling through your walls at, at nighttime. So I go to Art's place. Art's a friend of mine. Um, he's an acquaintance. For this guy, he was a neighbor. It wasn't like they were family. It wasn't like they were really close, but they were neighbors. They are friends. It's the word phileo. Not phileo fish from McDonald's, but phileo like Philadelphia. It's a Greek term meaning friend. So they're friends. They know each other. They're, they're in the same community. And he comes at midnight. The worst time to come visit, right? Right in the middle of the night. Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Now these three loaves, we think of loaves as something really large, something that we would you know, slice up. But these are more probably like three flatbread loaves where they could eat them right away. They put some maybe some olive oil on or something. It was, it was a tr traditional bread back then. And I would say to Art, through his wall in St. Vitale, <laughs> I'll be yelling, Art, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit from Plum Coulee, and I have nothing for him to eat. I mean, he's hungry. It's been a long drive, a good hour drive north. <laughs> And suppose he calls out from his bedroom. So Art's, you know, like a good little boy. He's going to bed early, probably 9.30. And 
you know, turn the TV off, no reading, just go to bed, because you've got to get up early for work. And Art says to me, Dave, don't bother me. What are you doing? The door is locked for the night. And Joanne and I are in, all our, okay, I was off there, and we're here. I can't help you. Dave, I can't help you. Go away. Go someplace else and get food. I cannot help you. Right? That's kind of what's going on here. But I don't stop. I'm going to stay on your driveway. I'm going to just like start singing or something and say, Art, we need food. We need food. And my shamelessness, I'm so determined to get this food. Again, I don't need this bread. My, my visitor isn't dying. No, there's, no, there's no fire. There's no emergency here. But I, I'm coming and asking. And I'm not going to stop till I get what I want. Boldness here. The idea is of an urgently, persistent, shameless, brash. The idea, maybe you've heard the term, that took a lot of nerve. Or maybe back in the day, someone might say that took a lot of gall. You've heard that term before? Well, that took a lot of gall. Why would you do that? Why would you ask that? Hebrews chapter 4 gives us the same kind of attitude about being bold with God. Have you ever thought about being bold with God? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And here comes the part. Because Jesus speaks on our behalf, let us then approach God's throne of grace with boldness. Okay, not irreverence. Not treating God as, like, whatever, but still with boldness. Not groveling in really low. Not backing in. Hopefully he'll listen. But with boldness. Why? Because Jesus Christ is our high priest. He, he's there in between for us. He speaks on our behalf. We come as children of God. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Again, when we need stuff, and, and, and we all have different needs, and at different times, things become more urgent. And right now, things might be very urgent for some of you. And you're saying, God, I need to hear from you. Oh, I mean, you're God. You're, the, you're, you're my, my father. You're the creator. I know who you are, God. I don't, you're God. But you need to listen to my prayer, like, as the psalmist would say. You need to listen, God, because I don't know what to do. And so that's what Jesus is saying in this story. The expectation is so, then we go on. And so Jesus himself says this. We would expect maybe Jesus to say this after. Okay, I gave you this example. Now don't be like that guy. Don't go bug God. You'd expect that, right? Don't go into God's throne and just demand. Don't be, don't be that brash. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, and so I say, I tell you from the very mouth of the Son of God himself, keep on asking. Keep on, and you will receive. Keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He said, the example that I gave you of this neighbor who comes at midnight and ask for this little thing. Be like that with God. God's not offended by that. Of course we come in love and, and, and honoring him. 
But God wants our hearts. He wants us to be passionate about him. Again, my daughters, if they, if they don't really care about me, and once in a while they say, Dad, can we have some money? I'm like, why? <laughs> but because they come and say, Dad, and we have that relationship already, we say, Dad, you know, I got this thing. I really got to take care of this. And I, this, this subject is really hard. I don't know how to study for this. Can you help me? Right? It comes from their heart. And I say, yeah, I'm there. I'm there because you're my kids. And if God sees us as his kids, and we come with our hearts and say, God, I don't know what to do about this. I got this medical condition. I don't know what to do. I need your help. We go back here. There's three, there's three kind of levels that we're to ask. We're, we're to ask, right? Things that we, we have not yet received. The next level gets a little more severe, I think, right? All of a sudden we're seeking. There's something we can't find. There's, there's a solution we can't quite get to yet. So the asking is like, okay, I know what I need, Lord. I need that. I'm asking for that. But now I'm going to seek something, Lord. I don't know how to solve this problem. It gets a little more urgent because we're kind of dumbfounded. And so we, we, he said, when you keep on seeking, and these are all like keeping on, keep on asking, keep on, on knocking and so on. Don't stop. You will find it. And the third one's a little even more urgent, right? I mean, art is not going to let me in. I've got to start pounding the door. I need to knock. Because I'm getting a little bit desperate now. Because the doors aren't opening for the situation I find myself in. God, I need a door open here. Because right now everything seems shut. And you may find that in your life too. It's like there's no solution right now. And God, we need you to open a door for us. We need to understand what that is. And whatever it is, we will, we will live that because we know that's your will. I love this because prayer is one of those things that's so, it's, it's, it's really incredible because God really, God is the God of the universe. He has his plans. He knows what's, I mean, it's, it's his universe. He knows the beginning from the end. He has given us revelation. He knows how it's going to end. And yet he still tells us to pray, which is interesting. You think, well, if it's already set in stone, why am I praying, God? Look what it says here in Jeremiah 29. Our friend Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. That's an amazing promise by God. We can hold him to that promise. That was a promise directed towards Israel at the time. But I really, I mean, honestly, God has not changed his, his plans for his, his people. That's a plan for us as well. But he still wants us to pray. Because though he has plans for us, he wants us to be involved in this. Then it says in the verse, Then you will call upon me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me. And there's the same words from, the, from Jesus. You will seek me, and you will find me. When you seek me, how? With all of your heart. That's what God wants. That's what I want for my daughters. 
I want them to come to me and say, Dad, oh, I love you so much. I'm glad you're my dad. And, you know, and then as life goes on, can you help me with this, Dad? Or can you provide this for me? Yeah, I can do that. God wants our hearts. He wants us. If God has ordained yours and the world's plans, why should we pray? Here's, here's a possible answer, I think. I think this is a good way of looking at it. We are told over and over to pray. It appears God not only ordains the plans, but also how we get there, the means. We can participate in his plans by praying. Think about it. I mean, God's going to, the world's going to keep going whether you pray or not. God has his plans. If you pray, you get to see how he works. You get to see him work through your prayers. You get to see that and you, can, you say, God, I'm going to worship you because I saw what you did. And I was part of it. And he can work together this complicated tapestry of events based on whether we pray or not. When we pray, it's almost like another strand comes in there and God, and God can take that and go, no problem, I'll take that and fill it in. Fit it in, no problem. He had his plan anyways, but now I get to be part of that. That's how I see prayer. I'm not going to tell God what to do. It's not like God is like on vacation and has forgotten what's going on. He's God. Every detail of this world he knows. Down to the minuscule, micro, you know, the atoms that we, we see. He has it all under control. He sustains it all by his powerful word. He knows what's going on in your life. And as you pray and say, God, I need your help here. He says, oh, okay, now I'll take that string and fill it into my plan. And now you can be part of the plan. And we'll do this together. And you get the chance to see God at work in your life. Now, I know that sounds like such an easy solution. But when you're in those things, it's hard. Because we pray in the middle of our storms, don't we? And we don't see what's going to happen at the end. But we have to trust God's goodness, God's promises, God's plans. We trust that he is merciful and gracious. The final explanation. Why? Why can we hold God to this? Because fathers give good gifts to their children or mothers. We can use mothers here too. And I, this is what we did with the kids before. You fathers, if your children are asked for a fish... Do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, he's talking to all of us because as a human race, we're sinful. We're imperfect. We don't always father and mother perfectly. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? A little bit of a strange answer, right? All of a sudden, he brings the Holy Spirit in on this. Why does he do that? So when you pray, you expect, well, if I ask for comfort, God would give me comfort. If I ask for strength, God would give me strength. If I ask for patience, God gives me patience. But he says, when you ask, God will give you the Holy Spirit. What? That doesn't really fit. Until you think about what the Holy Spirit does in your life. You see, I can ask for the gifts, the things I need in my life. What does God give us instead? The giver. 
He doesn't just give me the, the gifts of peace and joy and all those things. He gives me the very presence of God in, in my life. Isn't that an amazing thought? He's not going to give me just the gifts. He's going to give me the giver of the gifts in me. So that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And the fruit of the Spirit starts to live in me. And I have all these things inside of me. God gives us way more than we ask for. Above and beyond all that we can ask for. So whatever you're going through, whatever you need prayer for today, don't stop praying. Pound heaven's door. God loves that. He wants that. And then realize that God will not just give you what you need, but he'll provide his own presence in that situation. He already has. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. Always. You're never alone. And so we have a prayer challenge for this week. I'll invite the group to start coming up for the last song. I'm going to challenge you to find a quiet place for at least five minutes each day this week and pray. Find a place, find a place that has no distractions. Maybe it's with your spouse, maybe it's by yourself, maybe it's with your kids. And say, Lord, I'm going to spend at least five minutes every day this week and get serious with my time with you. And just be honest with him. Just talk to him. Don't be, oh, thou, oh, Lord, oh, great, mighty God. You know, just say, Lord, this is me. I'm Dave. Dave's here. Can you help me with this? I really need this. I need an answer for this. And spend time. Just talk to him. Let's end with this last uh, saying in the need of prayer. So if you're able to stand in the need of prayer, I invite you to stand. But you don't have to stand if you don't want.
If you'd like someone to pray with you this morning, after, uh, I'll be up front here. Uh, otherwise, we do have the cake being cut back there, and uh, you can take a bomber piece and a birthday piece, whatever you want. But uh, otherwise, I'm going to just dismiss us with a closing prayer. Here we go. Lord, thank you for your promises. Help us to hold on to the promises, Lord, and to come to you with boldness. This week, I want to ask, Lord, that you would remind each of us to take the time to pray, to come to you with our hearts and to say, Lord, it's me. I have nothing here to really offer you. I have no, no fancy language. I'm not even sure how to pray really properly, but I'm just going to pour out my heart. And so, Lord, remind us to do these things, to take this time. We want to develop a relationship with you. And, Lord, I pray for those who are going through some difficult times. And I ask, Lord, that they would... Uh, Find some answers, that some doors would be opened. As they are seeking already, Lord, that they would seek, uh, find what they are seeking. And so as a church, we, we pray for those in need. We ask, Lord, that you would, in ways that we can't even imagine, you would answer. And so that we would see your hand at work. And we would be part of that tapestry of how you, you put things together. So we thank you, Lord. And just now dismiss us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yes, take back there if you want. Otherwise, have a good week.